listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 121 of the Testudo Times Podcast. It's the dog days of summer, literally the dog days of summer. I'm amazed we have things to talk about with Maryland, but... You know what? The FBI, man. <laughs> well, Thomas, did you expect to see that Friday afternoon when it came out, that news? It, when I was reading, uh, doing my normal catch-up of news, it just came out of nowhere. And I was completely focused on the World Cup, of course, so that had a part of it. But, I mean, I thought that this was going to be dead and buried for a little bit. And then the FBI, they come when you least expect it. It's like the Spanish Inquisition, only better. Yeah, only well, the... So the weird thing about this was, you know, Maryland is one of the Maryland announced it itself. You know, it it kind of came forward and you know, it they called a few of us and said um, you know, we are are basically sending out a statement at I think 11 that morning was was what they said. And in the middle of a World Cup game. Brilliant. Yeah, so I mean, I'm getting this in, I'm getting this in the middle of the World Cup, but you know, we we did some work at halftime. The uh, yeah, and so and so this it was a surprise because Maryland kind of came forward with it themselves. Like most other schools, looking at the subpoenas and seeing the stuff, like Maryland is clearly not the only school getting subpoenaed, and it doesn't look like Maryland is much more than a tangential player in all this. Just based on what, uh, if they find anything, then they find something. But I don't expect any major findings here because i mean this is stuff we knew about this is um you know diamond stone was named in a report um his name has been redacted from the subpoena but i think everyone kind of knows who this yeah, is yeah yeah well if you know the the blacked out part is about the size of stone's last name <laughs> So. Wow, but even even with the tangential information, we kind of already know that. So I don't. Yeah, think and then really Desosa, and then Silvio Desosa. You know, Maryland was always in the running for him. Um, I believe he has the same handler as Bruno Fernando. Um, you know, they're good friends. They went to school together. Um, both from Angola, I believe. So, and you know, he, he said the whole thing about how there was money reportedly coming from a rival school or from a rival apparel company to go to a different school. And some people, you know, assume that was Under Armour. That's never been proven. I'm not sure. I don't have any inside information on that. But, yeah, so, I mean, Maryland is tangentially involved in all this. And I was surprised to see Maryland kind of come forward about that. But there is there is some uncertainty in all of this, but I don't I don't expect anything too crazy to come out of it for Maryland with what we know right now. I think because the subpoenas came for cases we already knew that Maryland was sort of under scrutiny for, I don't think it really changes the paradigm too much. I also think that Maryland wants to get out ahead of this, you know. They don't want it to be leaked by any college basketball insider that Maryland's been subpoenaed by the FBI. It's going to look a lot better if they got out ahead of it themselves, especially since the subpoena that had been, at least the second one, June 29th, happened like just a week earlier. So 
it makes a lot of sense, I think, for Maryland in a PR perspective to get out ahead of it. And then they see that what the FBI had actually subpoenaed was something that we already knew. It kind of it takes the sting out of the headline of the story, I guess. Yeah, and at least so far, um, Maryland is pointing out that they have not been found guilty of anything. No evidence has been found of any wrongdoing. Maryland's been pretty, pretty obviously clear to point that out. And as a result, you why know, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just, you know, trying to be a journalist, I think that's something that I've had to point out as well, because if, if your school is under investigate, you know, being subpoenaed by the FBI, that's not a regular thing. Maryland has been clear to point out that they have not been found guilty of any wrongdoing. And I think that's important to keep in mind, at least at this point, something might come out later. But for now, I mean, Maryland is, is still innocent. And, you know, if, if Maryland is getting subpoenaed, uh, dozens of other schools are definitely getting subpoenaed. Maryland is just the one that, for whatever reason, is, is trying to get out in front of it. I can imagine there has to be what, at least, as you said, a dozen probably mother schools because when we were talking about the reporting it only came out in the second wave of reporting that Maryland was involved with this because of Diamond Stone and I think again they're the only school that wants to get out in front of it because they don't have the same sort of reputation as Kansas or Duke that could kind of deflect all of it you know getting out ahead of it's gonna look better on them as opposed to you know Kansas and Duke would probably just have more resources and more cachet to fight it you know the other interesting thing about this report was the, the weird thing that they said that Bino Ranson, one of Maryland's assistants, one of the few that hasn't been changed in recent years, was no longer working at the school. Well, that's been corrected. I, I think we just found that kind of odd. Yeah, I'm not really sure how that came about because Bino Ranson's been at the school for eight years. He, I, I believe, predates Mark Turgeon here. And it makes a little bit of sense that if if anyone was going to be mentioned, it would be him because he was the lead recruiter for Diamond Stone. But I was a little surprised to see him sort of name dropped in a document like that. Well, I can assume because no no evidence has been found, you know, he won't. It won't cost him his job or anything um, until anything gets found. I can assume that but because in I was other surprised. cases. I can assume because in other cases, we've seen that other coaches have had their names drop and then been fired. So maybe the FBI assumed that was going to happen here. That's the only logical train that I can put to this. But, you know, that was the only other interesting thing about it. Uh, what do you think? Do you think we're going to hear about this at any point in the near future? Because this, this came out of nowhere. Maryland gets out ahead of it. And this is one of those things that you, we could go dormant and not hear about it for three months. Then suddenly there's a story about it again so i mean do you think there's much more that comes out of this or is the next time we hear about this fbi story something not maryland related i'm sure that you know whatever we hear next probably doesn't involve maryland heavily and i don't i don't really expect to hear too much more on these issues because maryland has provided the paperwork and then it looks like you know they've avoided grand jury hearings and all that so They've been, they've done, I think, what they needed to do. It doesn't seem like they're super guilty of much, if anything, in either of these two cases. 
and more thi- more things can come out. I don't know of anything. Um, there are things that are out there, but well, the They're unsubstantiated. Yeah, well, the FBI is going to keep doing is going to keep exposing things periodically for a while. I think. And, and it's and, the FBI, so they're going to come around when you least expect it. I know that I joked about it, but it's true. That's how they operate, so. Yeah. There's the potential. Yeah, no, this, this out, is nothing unique to Maryland. Mind. This is nothing, you know, it's nothing that'll go away. But The unique thing to Maryland is that it's been uh, released by the school themselves. Yes. That's the uniqueness of it. And I give them credit for getting out ahead of it because it takes some, takes some guts to do that. Especially when you're subpoenaed by the FBI in this major case. But as we said, they're in a more of a unique position than the Kansases or the Dukes or the Kentuckys or the other big schools of the world where they have more cachet to let the FBI basically come to them. Maryland doesn't. So they have a lot more to lose in this scenario, I think, than those other schools do because of their reputation. So that's the FBI story. And the other big story that happened a couple of weeks ago, we were doing our podcast and we were talking about the search for the athletic director and how close it was to the end. And we had three finalists. And it turned out that the result we all thought was going to happen ended up happening. David Evans got hired. Uh, I don't think that there's much new to say about that, but is there anything that you want to add about Evans being hired as the full-time AD? So the process ended up being kind of weird. I mean, they, you know, they, they come out with some finalists, and then less than a week later, we get a full-time athletic director. And, you know, there were there were rumors kind of trickling out about maybe the temple guy is the front runner and he seems like maybe the best candidate and Evans is, you know, both. I'm not sure if he's the safe pick or if he's the bold pick, you know, he's the in-house guy, but he does have, you know, he does have some baggage and, you know, there, there was a report in I think the chronicle of higher education that he had been investigated for, you know, something in Maryland. I believe it was an improper relationship with a colleague. Um, but that, you know, he was cleared of all that a while ago and it obviously didn't affect him getting hired, but he has the most successful stint as an athletic director of any of Maryland's finalists. And he has about as much success previously in this position as anyone Maryland could have really hoped to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the when you saw the committee and knowing that he and Lowe were on very good terms, it made a lot of sense. And it seemed like, yeah, it was always probably going to happen. But he also seems like a pretty good fit. Um, you know, Maryland is in a weird position where maybe – Hiring from within isn't necessarily the best thing, but if the best guy is the one that's already there, then that's what that is. I think the whole way that we got to Damon Evans becoming the AD was weird enough already, right? Yeah. You know, there were some rumors that he was Lowe's guy even when Anderson was still around. And Anderson wasn't... We definitely heard that. Yeah, and Anderson that multiple times. Yeah, and and that's part of why you know Anderson's contract you know wasn't extended earlier or really unceremoniously dumped as AD. Yeah. 
there's that. Uh, what about, there were also some reports I saw, I don't know how substantial they were, that there was some internal tension about this hiring or anything of this nature. What did you, what did you think about some of those rumors as well? So I think there were some boosters that were a little concerned about Evans. They weren't high on Evans, and they thought that the whole thing was, you know, just trying game? to get Evans hired. Yeah, and, you know, there there wasn't a ton of... The, those people were mostly angry at Lowe for, you know, theoretically being set. I don't know if those were, you know, based on inside info that they they knew that's how he felt or if that's just what it seemed like to some people because it, it's easy to see Lowe's guy get hired and then think oh it was always gonna happen yeah um, and then if you don't like Evans then you can be mad and I think that I think that's what that was is that some boosters were unhappy with the process, process. yeah I haven't heard a ton of I haven't heard a ton of anti-Evans sentiments since he has actually been hired, um, but that just might be like, well, now he's the boss, so don't don't get mad at him. I don't know. By the way, you noticed that you shell game there? Uh-huh. Puns? Anyway. Uh, so now that that's over, uh, he's had a lot to deal with. Well, he was interim AD, or whatever the title was, with everything that's been going on with the FBI, which certainly he has had to deal with with what's happened with Jordan McNair. So he's been dealing with a lot already. And there were some good articles I can't remember where they were or who wrote them, and I'm sorry for that. But it was incredibly interesting to read a lot of what people had to say about Damon Evans and what Maryland's place is in the world of major college athletics because of, well, the conference that they're in and the fact that they're not very good at football and the basketball program has been, you could argue, sputtering a bit, and it has been. But you have these stories, and you now have Damon Evans trying to kind of get the rising tide to lift all boats, but it's difficult. I think. So what do you think for Evans is going to be the key to him being successful here? Now that we know he's got the full-time job and he can focus on that instead of getting the job or being the caretaker. Yeah, well, I mean, he said it in his uh, introductory press conference is that fundraising is basically the most important thing an athletic director can do. And, you know, he's got, he's made good relationships with a lot of boosters. The, the Barry and Mary Gossett donation of something like $20 million for a new center. Um, that came because Gossett had confidence in Evans. And maybe not, not coincidentally, Gossett was on the committee to find a new ID. Ah. Um, and maybe you can see why people were a little bit skeptical of the whole process. Yeah. I mean, just a reasonable person would yeah, be skeptical but, when stuff like that comes out. But Evans at Georgia was, you know, one of the best fundraisers in the country. And obviously it's Georgia, but he was, but Georgia might, you know, you don't think of Georgia as, you know, the best in the country at fundraising. You don't think of them as the, you know, biggest donor influence. Well, but, it's gotten a lot. But under Evans, that was the case. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess he's got, if he can raise money for this program, and you know that there's going to be more coming in when the Big Ten money really starts to roll in, which I believe starts in 2020, so it's not that far off. They're going to start getting full Big Ten payments, which is a lot of money. I think that they make the most per school of all the Power Five conferences. I, I'm thinking that's right. I don't know if I'm wrong there, but it's, it's close at the very least. So as soon as they can start making all this money, then they can start to be 
they could start to take that next step. You would hope so, at least. But for him, a lot of his performances is going to be, how does football and basketball do? And that's pretty simple because he's got DJ Durkin in a slightly odd position after what happened last year. But there's some optimism that will turn around. And then you've got Mark Turgeon in a very interesting year. So, again, his success is going to be determined by fundraising, but mostly how football and basketball do, even though these two hires, Durkin and uh, Turgeon, were not his, I think. That's always going to be the case with any athletic director. They're going to be judged by how the big two perform. And we're going to see how that happens. Uh, there's also other news relating to Maryland and basketball, which is unfortunate, which is DeMonte Dodd, former center, was indicted. Just want to make sure I got the charges right because this is another story that happened on Friday that I wasn't paying attention to. He was indicted on assault and rape charges. Not good at all. Uh, more information on that, Thomas? What do you have on that? Yeah, that was one... Um... The alleged incident happened Halloween night slash November 1st, 2017. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Dada, he has he had been around the campus a lot um, after the year after he graduated. He graduated in 17. Like I saw I saw DeMonte a, a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, this past year, always at bars for whatever reason. But. The, the alleged incident was a, a pretty not unfamiliar story of was it consensual, was it not, and then two people are, you know, two people's words differ there. Clearly, it's not looking great for him, and, you know, he's be, he was held in Atlanta, I believe. He's doing court this week, and we will, um, his, he will be in court this week. So has we will. Formally, has he been formally? I mean, indicted's not formally charged, so there's still more that could come from this, obviously. Yes, and we will obviously have more if it gets further than this. Yes, of course we will. But that's another story that came out on Friday, so it was a, a weird Friday afternoon for Maryland with those two stories dropping. Uh, we'll talk about on the court stuff for basketball here just a little bit. Um, summer league is going on, and. I've been watching it because I'm unemployed. It's the summer, and i got to do something to prevent myself from going insane. And there are some players for Maryland that have played in Summer League. I saw Melo Trimble doing some decent things with the Bulls Summer League team, which is is what it is. I didn't realize he was playing with the Bulls Summer League team until I watched that game. Had a good sequence or two. Jake Lehman had a pretty good game. Roddy Peters? Well, there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. If I could insert the Star Wars drop there, I would. And Diamond Stone, I also believe, was in the Summer League, too. Of course, the big, the big ones for Maryland were Justin Jackson and Kevin Herter, but both were injured, so obviously weren't playing in the Summer League. Uh, what do we have to say about Maryland players in the Summer League trying to get their NBA careers on track? Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of coverage of Kevin Herter's new sidekick, Trey Young. Um, yeah. I, I've been, well, it's the Summer League. They I've been surprised at the right? level of scrutiny he's been getting. It's Trey Young. He's clearly the second fiddle. He's clearly the second fiddle. Of course. Kevin um, Herter's always been a better shooter. I can only say facts but, here, so, my friends. So the other guys, so the other guys, it's it's probably still a little bit early to tell um, how Trimble and Stone are doing. But Jake Lehman, who's in his third NBA summer league, which is pretty rare. You don't usually see a lot of guys with guaranteed contracts play three years in a row for the same team. But this has been so far his most productive yet, I think. And well, because you know, if he's able to part... veteran going up against rookies mostly. Yeah, but you know, if he's able to 
keep this momentum going into you know the end of the summer and the early fall and training camp and preseason and i think you know there, there's a real chance that he plays his way into you know an actual rotational role rather than an end of the bench role in portland i think that's that's obviously his hope and it's probably the blazers hope as well i mean they they did guarantee the third year of his contract when i don't think they had to so you know they're still they still seem to believe in him and so far obviously a long long way to go but it's looking like it's paying off early i did not expect to hear the name roddy peters in the summer league That's, yeah i was a little was surprised by I that not expecting to hear so i mean hey i haven't heard the name roddy peters in like four years apparently he was playing at nickel state like it just the poor guy was one of the more highly touted recruits had that year at maryland and it didn't go very well and then he went to usf and it didn't go well there for him and then he goes to nickel state i mean i think they're in the southland conference if i'm not mistaken I mean, hopefully for his sake that he can make a name for himself and maybe get a job somewhere. But, I mean, I have to be honest. Not, not, not to be, disparage him in any way, but that's not a name I was expected to hear connected to Maryland in the summer league. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, there's three, like, guys that were Maryland product. He's, I guess, technically a Nickel State product, but he spent a year in Maryland. He committed to Maryland, so we will follow him. We will figure out what he's up to. Rudimon, I guess my my guess is Peters ends up either in the G League or overseas, but you know uses the summer league platform to figure out you know where his where his game can play Absolutely. and to what extent his game can play here in the NBA or in, even in the G League. What team is he even playing for? I forgot. He is with the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, okay. I maybe you know Rayshon Rondo is now a Laker. That's all I can say. Maybe you could be the next race on Rondo. Highly doubtful, but, you know, you get it to hear after all that he's gone through in the college game. Hopefully. But is he any good at Connect Four, though? This is a good question, and I don't know the answer. If you're going to replace Rondo, that's, that's a necessary skill. I, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, so that's the Summer League. Keeps you something to watch. I mean... I mean, we have to talk about something with regards to the summer league. That's why the Trey Young story is as big of a deal as it is. But as, as we said, Kevin Herter is the much better shooter. So uh, Trey Young's going to have to play second fiddle. I wonder how most NBA fans are going to deal with that, with Kevin Herter's having a better rookie season than Trey Young. I'm just know. saying we'll this because I want it to happen very badly. Yeah, I mean, and realistically, I don't, I don't even know what to expect from Herter because he wasn't a dominant player at Maryland. He didn't put up you know, jaw-dropping numbers. He had really good shooting percentages that were even better than they seemed. But, like, Anthony Cowan, I think, took more shots and scored more points. And then, well, he wasn't the focal point for Maryland in either of his two years. Yeah, I mean, and as a result, it would be hard to imagine him realistically being the focal point in the NBA. But it's very, it, it's fun, you know, Atlanta traded the rights to Luka Doncic for Trey Young. It would be funny if Kevin Herter had a better year than that guy. So I would love it to the point where I would probably start paying attention to Hawks more than I'm already going to because of that. <laughs> I mean, it would get me to watch the Hawks more if Kevin Herter was having a better season than Trey Young. I will say that. And for what it's worth, I don't want Trey Young to be bad. I want Trey no, Young to be good. No, I don't root for I think, anybody to be bad. I think the more players we have with that skill set, the better. 
Well, I'm just rooting for more Maryland players to be good because then more good college uh, players will be developed at Maryland and then go on to the NBA. And that means it's better for Maryland basketball, which is what we really care about here. Uh, speaking of which, two articles, because it's the summer and there's nothing to talk about in college sports other than these kinds of things. ESPN had this article. I don't know how to describe it without like, giving it away, but it's this, what school develops most professional athletes ranking? Or something of this nature. How would you describe it? Because I don't think I've done a very good job of it. I think that's that's pretty much it. I mean, they, they look at they they do cherry pick some sports. They look at baseball, football, basketball. I think hockey, and then major league it would soccer. Be hard for hockey because so many schools don't play it. Yeah, I guess they could include it because it is a big time sport and plenty of good NHLers now play in college or have well, also college. the the schools that produce a lot of good hockey picks aren't really the schools you would think of in most other sports but I, well, I think this they is, this is also correct but we're not talking but like I think they Minnesota do Minnesota Michigan and big ones they still do produce a lot of hockey yeah players. I think they so did almost like North Dakota's both. and BU's of the world yeah um and Maryland they included is Major League lacrosse <laughs> yeah they included lacrosse which is why the WNBA. second and MLS, where Maryland has, I think, you know, over, oh, over yeah, a dozen, a bunch, almost 20 points. So I can I can vouch for that. So there's really three sports that are vaulting Maryland up, and it's not like they haven't had NFL draft picks. They just hadn't had a first round in years. Eight years? So, yeah, so I was surprised to see Maryland as high as it was. Um, well, but, lacrosse, and, lacrosse threw it off. But, yeah, like half, the, Maryland half of Major League Lacrosse is Maryland. Duh. But, Not quite, but still. Well, it feels like it, but, I mean, the soccer also helps them because there aren't many. You know, there are good college soccer programs, but Maryland produces a bunch of players. But it's kind of weird to see that. But if you're thinking second best school in all of the country in producing professional sports talent, you're not thinking it's Maryland. <laughs> so I'm looking at this draft piece, ultimate draft rank, which schools produce the most draft talent for the ESPN.com staff. The leagues are the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, MLS, WNBA, MLL, lacrosse, which they have to explain because most people don't know what that is, and NFP in softball, which is very interesting. So number one is North Carolina, as we say. Number two is Maryland. And I'm going to read this verbatim. Uh, Those who view Maryland athletics solely through the lens of its recently mediocre football and men's basketball programs. I wouldn't say Maryland uh, football has been recently mediocre. It's been mediocre forever. Might be surprised to find the Terps at number two on our survey. But remember, the Terps have consistently been dominant in other sports lists across, for which they've had 40 players selected in the MLL over the past decade, and in men's soccer, for which their talent has led to 22 MLS draft picks and a current streak of 17 straight NCAA appearances. Also, Brenda Fries's women's host program has produced 10 WNBA draft picks. Only UConn, Tennessee, and Duke have more. So, yes, people will think Maryland isn't good at two sports, but they're good at a bunch of others. So... And they are, as we were saying, between UNC and Duke. Isn't that just funny as hell? It is, and I think it's... I'd rather be ahead of Duke between those two. Yeah, I don't care about being but, behind North Carolina as much as it's at being ahead of Duke. That's fantastic, considering they produce all that NBA talent, and Maryland's ahead because they're good at producing talent in basically everything else. Although Duke yep. won the men's lacrosse title this year, which is kind of unfortunate. So, looking now Duke all did not, the way... Duke did not win well, the title. Yale, they got to but the Duke final. did, I believe, yes. eliminate Maryland. Yeah, yeah, I know. It makes me sad. Oh, by the way, I'm looking through all of these rankings, and <laughs> Alabama is nowhere to be seen on this list, which is very funny, right? Georgia's 17th, oh, yeah. incidentally, uh, as we go back to the Damon Evans discussion. So that's not bad. 
Uh, in terms of number one in MLL, obviously Maryland would be number one there. They're fourth, although well, they're tied for third, I guess, or fourth, I should say, in the WNBA. Rutgers is tied for fifth there, which is hilarious. Uh, the two schools that are ahead of Maryland in terms of producing MLS players are ones that I expected. Uh, Akron, who had Caleb Porter as their head coach, and Wake Forest. Uh, but they're light years ahead of anybody in the Big Ten. So there you go. In the NFL, Alabama, of course, is number one, but they're not anywhere near the rest of anything else. The number one school for the NHL, we were talking about this off air with BU, which is not a surprise. So that's a funny thing. And then didn't Yahoo do something kind of similar to it? So Yahoo did overall athletic success, which is – so there is there is a Director's Cup, I believe it's called, that – Yeah, it's the Capital One-sponsored Director's no, that's That's whatever. a whole different thing. That's oh, is a different that a different thing? thing? I'm getting the mix yeah. up. This wow. one tries to – I think it might weight all sports more equally okay. and it's even more wide ranging. And as a result, so Maryland came in 43rd out of 65 power five teams across all sports, uh -huh. which I think is mostly a product of Maryland not having a ton of sports. Maryland has, I believe 17 varsity sports and there are a lot of power five teams with way more than that. Oh yeah. So, Remember, they had schools then, uh, schools. I think in this overall ranking of Power 5 schools and overall athletic success, uh, of all the ones I'm looking at this Yahoo slide, so they're 43rd. Yeah. They were in the top 35 last season with the ACC. The terms, there's a great typo in there, the terms are good with sports with sticks, field hockey, lacrosse, less so and everything else. Excuse me, I think soccer and women's basketball are really good at those two sports. Excuse yes. me. I, I, I'm giving love to Sasha and giving love to Brenda Freeze. How could we not? Of course, it's dominant. So I think process, that list you know. is that list is one of those. It's it's an objective ranking, but the way that it's ranked, I think, just naturally hurts Maryland. Yeah, because they don't have as many sports, and of course, I think they weighted a little bit more heavily when you don't have as much success in other things. But of all the Power Five schools, Rutgers was second last. And if we're going to continue old jokes from this podcast, Rutgers is second last. Who was the worst Power Five school in terms of athletic performance? What do you think the answer to that that question is? Just in a random throw it out kind of way. You know, I, I read this too. I'm now forgetting. You now we forgot. will. The answer is Washington State. Right. Makes sense. Mike Leach, though. Mike Leach, yes. Although, I was reading something about Kansas football, practically the only football program that's had less success than Maryland in the last decade, and even they, they went to an Orange Bowl more recently than Maryland went to an Orange Bowl or into a big bowl game. And I was reading that article, and they were talking about uh, what you can just do to resurrect their football program, which was always a very funny article to read because it's Kansas and it's football, and there's I, I don't think there's any more program of just pure sadness than Kansas has in football. It even makes Rutgers look good. But they were talking about wanting to hire Mike Leach to kind of resurrect that program. What would Maryland football have looked like if they hired Mike Leach instead of Randy Edsel is always the question I have. Why we get back to Washington State and Mike Leach here. If we could redo history, what would Maryland football look like if they hired Mike Leach instead of Randy Edsel? I don't know. I mean, I, Mike Leach is definitely a good coach. I don't think he's this incredible coach. Maryland would throw a lot. I don't know if the quarterback situation would be the same. It probably wouldn't, but could you imagine Mike Leach trying to throw the ball a billion, billion times with the quarterbacks that Maryland has had? Or even against Big Ten defenses. Or even against Big Ten defenses, if he, if he was able to stay that long. I bet he probably would have, but 
I always think of that as one of my favorite what-ifs in the history of Maryland athletics is what if they had hired Mike Leach, which they were about to do, and then they didn't. They pulled back at the last minute, so always very interesting to say. Uh, bit of football news, Melvin Kine, uh, defensive end, fifth year, so he was a grad transfer. He's leaving the program. A uh, little bit less depth now at the defensive end position. This was announced as we're recording this on Monday. This was announced today, of course. If you haven't watched the story of Melvin Kine uh, getting back together with his mother from Liberia, which was a college game day feature, which is absolutely amazing. I mean, college game day always does those features that makes you cry. It's not the thing you expect to do on a Saturday morning in the fall, but that Melvin Kane story was one of the best out of all of them. And so he's he's leaving the program. It gives me reason yeah, to watch so that there, feature again. Yeah, so there were two, actually, uh, Melvin Kane features last summer. Um, BTN did one that was 30 minutes, and you know I actually talked minutes. to the guys yeah, who... I, I keep forgetting about that I one. talked to the people who put that one together, and the ESPN one... ESPN sent somebody with him. So, like, BTN gave him equipment and he would, you know, record his stuff, but then ESPN just sent people there. <laughs> so, shows you the difference in resources between ESPN yeah. and BTN. Yeah, and then ESPN won an Emmy and BTN was nominated. I think yeah, it was different categories, really though. Yeah, they're both really both good. Were, both were very good. I mean, they're both awesome. But you should definitely watch them both. And it gives me a reason to watch them. And Melvin Kane is just a wonderful dude. And it's obviously sad to know that, you know, he won't be at Maryland anymore. But I think it makes sense for him as a football player to try to get one more productive season under his belt. And I don't think he would have been super productive here because if he couldn't produce last year with Jesse Annabonum, who was at his spot going down, then it was unlikely he was really going to produce this year. So it makes some sense there. Yeah, but it gives us reason to watch those features again. Yeah. And you should do that because, I mean, they're absolutely awesome. Uh, One other thing that we should mention, of course, it was from that awful shooting at the Capitol Gazette and John McNamara passing away, who was an alum and then covered Maryland. I did reading all of the Maryland writers that were talking about it. Um, I don't remember seeing him personally. I mean, I covered a lot of Maryland games. Obviously, you do too. But, I mean, anybody who covered the Terps like he did, I mean, it's just terrible to lose somebody like that. And obviously an alum, that was awful. And then that Maryland news made it worse. Uh, any thoughts on that? I don't have a ton. I mean, I never, I never met him. I didn't work with him. But all the people who have covered Maryland but, for a long time were just but revering yeah. him. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's the kind of legacy that you want to leave, is, is everyone remembering you fondly and remember and you know knowing that you know you made showing up to work a little bit more fun a little bit better and i think especially when you were covering some of the bad teams that maryland had yeah and you know i didn't work with him myself but you know all this everyone who i know who was a student then you know says that he was he was what you know, a really good resource and really helpful, and I think that's, you know, that's a good legacy to leave as well. Okay, so there are other things that we want to talk about briefly because you don't want to end on that note, which would be horrible. Uh, players change their numbers. Football players change their numbers. Ty Johnson did that. Ty Johnson is, uh, I think, the notable one there. Um, it's mostly also defensive backs changing numbers this year. Quantrez Knight from twenty-four down to three. Uh-huh. Uh, Tino Ellis from seventeen to seven. Yeah. Ravon Davis from twenty-one to two. 
I believe those are the big changes. Marcus Lewis is number eight. Number eight. Why in college football are all the defensive backs wearing single-digit numbers? It's not something I'm ever going to understand. Oh, you missed that? My favorite was last year when all the defensive linemen switched to single digits. Well, of course, we're never going to have the moment like we had when Maryland had two players wearing the same number on an extra point. So (laughs) we're never going to have a moment like that again. But it was the most amazing thing when it happened. Uh, I believe it was during the Texas game. It was, and they won the game. They won the game when that happened. And I remember listening to the broadcast crew going absolutely nuts over it because they couldn't figure out what Maryland did wrong. And then they're like, oh, two guys were uh, wearing the same number on an extra point. That was absolutely hilarious. But Ty Johnson wearing 24 is, is cool. So that, that's always very interesting. Uh, I mean, it'll be easier for him to spot. I don't know if anybody else is wearing 24. Anyway. Not, not anymore. Quantrez Knight was, but he's yeah, you're, you're, as well. you're right about that. And then this other story, I love, I love stories like this. Uh, I can't believe who it was. It was one of the former guys who played against Len Bias in the ACC saying he was a slimmer LeBron and better than MJ, which, I mean, I guess it's tragic to hear that because he was really, really good, but I always find reading those stories really interesting. And let's be honest, it's summer. We have to talk about something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Hey, I'm going to go really with somebody who was this. there. <laughs> I'll go with somebody who was there because we weren't. Yeah, we'll go with it. Anything else? I think we've covered everything. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, we will try to keep up with these podcasts throughout the summer, as we said in the last show after the NBA draft. We'll do our best to get some stuff out for you during the summer. It's the dog days. I don't expect to be hearing much of anything Maryland athletics related throughout the summer until, what, the second, third week of August probably? So we're going to try to do our best to get something out for you. Uh, hopefully... We've covered everything to the best of our abilities. It's a lot of unfortunate stories this week, but we do our best on this show, and uh, hopefully you're enjoying your summer. should mention congratulations to Wadi Wallace, by the way, uh, for getting on the pitch in a World Cup. So that's a Maryland player getting on the pitch at a World Cup in the last two World Cups, probably three. I would have to look back at 2010, and I'm not really interested in doing that right now, but he played in that final game for Costa Rica against Switzerland, which they drew 2-2. So congratulations to him. I was just watching him last night playing in the New York Derby, so it's all... All a little bit positive for Maryland in that way. Uh, hopefully you enjoy the show. Hopefully you enjoy some of these dog days of summer. Hopefully there will be something to talk about, and hopefully I will be saying hopefully a little bit less in future podcasts. Until then, of course, go Terps.